high-voltage arrow. My gloves are insulated so I can pluck it from my shield. But from where did it come? <laughs> Cannot you guess, Captain America? You. You've become a super adaptoid. But how? By using the photographic ability built into my eyes. I was not unconscious when your partners observed me. I studied each of you and adapted the sum total of all your powers. And now, I am a virtually unconquerable one-man team of Avengers. How do I battle someone who has all of my skill, plus the strength and abilities of Giant Man, Hawkeye, and the Wasp? You are doomed! Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Danger Room, the X-Men Comics Commentary Podcast. I'm Adam. I'm Jeremy. And we're here today to discuss the X-Men number 29, the February 1967 issue. Yes, we are. And on the cover of it, we see uh, the Mimic battling what must only be the Super Adaptoid, because the cover clearly states that he is striking... And I think last issue you pointed out that Super Adaptoid was a Avengers enemy. And you can clearly see here that he's got Captain America's, what would you call that, his shirt? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, probably Hawkeye's boots or, well, actually any superhero from the 60s boots. I think that's Hawkeye's mask. Hawkeye's mask. Uh, I'm not really sure who else is an Avenger at this point. Probably Iron Man, maybe. Uh, I only figured this out by reading the issue, but the other two Avengers who he has powers of are Goliath and the Wasp. Ah, uh-huh. okay. He may have additional powers to that, but that that was all that he mentioned in this issue. Okay. So he has the wings of the Wasp and the strength of Goliath. Gotcha. I don't even know who Goliath is. Isn't Goliath basically Giant Man or Ant Man or any other iteration of Henry Pym? Okay, that could be. I think it is. I, I could be completely wrong. And folks, if I am, Avengers fans out there, chime in. Send us a note. Danger Room at redcapproductions.com. Is Goliath Ant-Man? Is Goliath Ant-Man. Um, yeah, and then on the side, kind of watching, apparently from a uh, black uh, interdimensional box, uh, <laughs> is, <laughs> is uh, the Angel, Marvel Girl, Cyclops, Iceman, and the Beast. So, you know, whatever, they got front row seats to this battle royale, which apparently they will not be featured in if I'm to believe what's going on in the cover here. <laughs> and uh, the professor continues to have a migraine. Yep. he's He's got a headache. He looks especially in pain this time. I don't know. You think that image changes every day? I think that image pretty much stays the same. I think it does, but there's something about this white background. That could be. That could be. It's clearer somehow, or it's sharper. It's accentuating his mind pain bolts. So as we get into uh, another edition, what is this? It's 29th edition. As we get into the 29th edition of the X-Men here, entitled When Titans Clash, which was written by Roy Thomas, drawn by Werner Roth. The inker is some new guy named John Tartaglioni. Must be a mafia guy. John, if you're out there, feel free to email in and tell me how to pronounce your name. Sam Rosen is lettering this issue as he uh, letters all issues. And Irving Forbush is once again back as the X-Men skating instructor. What's strange about this is John is written in a very small font 
compared to the rest of them. That's because Tartaglioni is such a long name they needed to somehow shorten John into, I don't know what that is. Who knows? <laughs> but yes, uh, and also, of course, uh, Stanley is back on board as the editor. Not back on board, always on board as the editor. And so the X-Men here are enjoying, and it's actually telling us in the little yellow uh, narration balloon here on the bottom that it's early winter. It's the first solid freeze of December, which means it's really cold out. And they're all ice skating, uh, and Jean Grey is wearing a miniskirt. Yeah, it's a really small skirt. It's kind of sexy, i got to be honest. But <laughs> And look, Angel's down there helping her get her ice skates on. I mean, he's he's looking up that little skirt. I mean, because how could you not, right? I mean, Cyclops is standing behind her, but he can even see up her skirt. It's so short. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so it's really cold out, but nah, she's a Marvel girl. It's like a half mini skirt. <laughs> yeah, right. She got legs that go up to here, so she's not worried about a little bit of frostbite. And in the middle of the entire action here, we see some crazy red-headed kid skate. Wait a minute. Is that Calvin Rankin? No. That's not? No, that's that's Bobby Drake. It is. Oh, you're right. It is. <laughs> Cal Rankin is standing behind the action. Cal Rankin's the one who looks like Cyclops but isn't Cyclops. Right, right. With the, uh, with the multi-button jacket with his collar up like a bad, bad guy. And he's got skates. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's holding skates. All right, Beast is on his, uh, he's sitting on a rock putting his skates on, and he's basically challenging Iceman to an ice duel, ice skating duel. Which he uh, clearly is going to win because Iceman immediately falls over. Which is ironic because Iceman is Iceman, right? Yeah, uh, well, Beast says, remember you're on blades, you're not on feet anymore. Right, but that's that's part of the joke here, right? That's part of the... <laughs> Iceman is not much of a skater. The Iceman can't even ice skate. Ah, what is a knee slapper? But it turns out that the Agile Beast, he's also not very good on a pair of skates as he goes flying past past the Iceman. And Angel, in a very forward move, asks Jean if, if she still knows how to couple skate. <laughs> to which Jean says, oh, fine, Warren. Scott, you want to come with? <laughs> For some couple skating. Awkward. It's like a triple couple. I think she just wanted to watch Angel and Cyclops skate together. <laughs> Secretly, she's like really freaky like that. Again, with the extremely short skirt. I know, it's it's getting shorter. <laughs> <laughs> that must be part of her mutant power. I don't know what that means. Anyway, so Cyclops says that he, he makes up some excuse about how he left his skates back in his room. And, uh, well, you know, Angel's not really that upset about that because that means he gets Genie all to himself. Indeed, and Cyclops moves off to uh, a rump a little bit. I got to say, uh, Cyclops has definitely been hitting the gym uh, in earlier issues. He, you know, with his bow tie and his really skinny arms and legs. Here, he actually looks a little bit buff. That's true. I didn't notice that. Put on a little weight, gained a little muscle mass. He looks a little more like the Cyclops we know as, like, through the Claremont years. Actually, he's getting there. I mean, he's he doesn't. Something about his hair, the way he's wearing his hair now, is a little bit different than earlier issues. And his glasses are a little bit more stylish, it, it appears to me. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. He's, uh, he's evolving. Right here, folks. You heard it here first. Cyclops is evolving. However, his character is not evolving. <laughs> no. As he once again goes through a mope fest. How I envy Warren. His wings are so compact and flexible. Yeah, he's all upset because 
I think it was a couple of issues ago when he said, nothing on earth will stop me from telling Jean how much I feel about her. But he has yet to tell her about his feelings for her. Well, he shot Angel, which ruined everything. Yeah, but still, nothing on earth. It gave him a chance to be especially mopey. That hardly counts as something on earth, you know what I mean? (laughs) Anyhow, uh, he is under the impression that um, at the time that he shot the angel, he mentally dampened his power uh, subconsciously. Which, if you go back to that issue, it says, I will now unleash the full force of my eye beams. Oh no, angel's (laughs) in the way! Well, he did it subconsciously. I don't know. This feels like a retcon in my opinion. Oh, it totally is. <laughs> Already, like two issues later, like, yeah, I think we went a little far on that. Let's uh, let's tone it down. Let's put a little dialogue in here. Yeah, subconsciously, he uh, he dumbed down his powers. Well, you know, it's a plot point because they're, they're using this to move Cyclops' ability to control his optic blasts a little more. His optic blasts without his glasses. It's confusing because in prior issues, he does have incredible control over his his optic blast abilities. Sure, he can raise his glasses and cut a slice of pie. Exactly. <laughs> the, the working theory here between him and the professor is that now that he's exerted some level of subconscious control, it's possible that he could go the whole nine yards and control all of his power. So, to give that a test, he disappears out into the the middle of the winter area, away from the other X-Men, takes off his glasses. I want to I do a point of reference check here real quick, though, just so that we don't get lost while we're in the woods. They're at an ice rink, or not an ice rink, but they're at an icy pond, which I'm assuming is somewhere near the mansion. Would you, would you agree with that? Yeah, I guess I yeah, it is. I think it is. Okay, so do I. And we'll we'll get more into that as the story progresses, but the more important thing here is that Cyclops has maybe wandered off, what would you say, 200 yards, 300 yards? I'd give him a mile. A mile? <laughs> you think he walked a mile? Yeah, a mile away from the the pond. A half mile. Okay, half a half mile. I could buy that. Uh, okay, so he walks, he's about a half mile away from the pond, which is somewhere behind the mansion, we we only assume. Okay, so continue. Okay, so as I said, he takes off his glasses in an attempt to control his optic blasts from just his eyes. And he finds that he is completely unable to do that and lets, lets loose an extreme optic blast, apparently in a wider arc than ever before. And then he begins to whine. It's hopeless. The harder I strain to hold my beams back, the more powerful they are. Yeah, he's upset about this. Am I doomed to die a menace? So he collapses into a little pile of weepy jello and uh, sobs about how his only purpose on Earth is to, I don't know, kill people or something like that. I'm kind of reading between the lines, but uh, he feels that there's a reason that he was chosen to possess these powers, but he... He doesn't really, he's kind of rejecting it. And he's also speculating here that this is going to keep him separate from Jean forever. And then in a rare bit of uh, anger, one might say, he says, no, it can't. I won't let it. I won't be alone any longer. I love Jean and I'll smash anyone, 
anything that would keep me from her. And then he lets go another optic blast, which uh, smashes into, it looks like just a tree. <laughs> right. I guess you can see there's kind of a, a wall of snow behind it. And uh, a rock slide starts, an avalanche, if you will. Holy Hannah, my second blast started a rock slide. And it's coming straight toward me. So he would uh, he would smash anyone or anything to get to Gene? Yeah. That's serious. He's got a bad for her. I guess we'll see how serious it is once he gets back to the mansion. No kidding. He's just like blowing X-Men away left and right. Where's Gene? <laughs> get out of my way, Iceman! Zit! Zit! <laughs> <laughs> so uh, in a lar- loud room, or at least that's what the panel says... Um, Cyclops narrowly escapes the rock slide and, oh, this is just a reminder that I'll have to never lose my temper no matter what the provocation. I better get back to the X-Men now. So basically all of that pomp and circumstance is gone. Yep. But what it does do is it introduces us to a green man who looks very similar to the man on the cover of the comic book who I can only assume is super adaptoid. Yeah, it even says it's super adaptoid. Okay, good. <laughs> um, <laughs> and apparently he's in some British tunnels where they store ammunition during America's Revolutionary War. Now, this was, what, three quarters of a mile away from the mansion? Mm-hmm. And super adaptoid's just hanging out underneath here. Yeah. One could assume, potentially, I guess it says that he's in a trance or sleep or he was powered down because apparently he's an android. And he's, he must have been here for a while. But that's that's a heck of a co- uh, coincidence, isn't it? Well, you know, comic books, uh, there are no coincidences in comic books. Okay. It's all just adventure and excitement. It just seems a little unrealistic that there just happen to be these British ammunition stores underneath the mansion's property that also happened to have the super adaptoid just hanging out, sitting on a throne, waiting for the day when the earth might rumble. <laughs> call me spec uh whatever call me uh well, it doesn't make any sense <laughs> take a drink yeah he's under this mountain because he wishes to remain in solitude he he wants to be alone he accomplished his mission of or he thinks he accomplished his mission of destroying captain america and uh now that he's done that he doesn't want anything more to do with civilization he says all that. So he's like hanging out like, I'm done, you know, my job's complete. What the heck was that? Huh. Well, maybe I do want to do a little bit more work out there. Yeah, he gets hit over the head with a big pile of snow. Whoa, that's the straw that broke the camel's back. I better go up there and see what's going on. I better go outside and sun off. <laughs> he wants to see if there are other super-powered beings. He needs to find a trial subject. He's decided... Since AIM created him to rule the world for them, but he no longer serves them, he's going to go ahead and control the world for himself. And he's going to do that by creating super adaptoid soldiers who will follow his every whim and command. And who's AIM? Uh, Advanced Idea Mechanics, I believe. Okay, all right. Um, they're bad guys. Okay. 
They're, they're the ones that wear the yellow costumes, I think. Oh, okay, okay. The beehive costumes. I get those guys confused with the Hydra folks, but yeah, yeah, I know what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, I do too. I could be wrong. I could be Hydra. <laughs> no, but I think you're right. The yellow beehive folks, I think, are AIM. Okay, so he uh, he just, you know, he is not apparently stuck in this mountain because there's a door right on the side, or I don't know, maybe the blast that Cyclops did opened up a door, but whatever. He walks out into the sunlight. He's searching for a trial subject now to uh, to to be the first to transform into a super adaptoid. We flash back to the X-Men who are still trying to ice skate. At least Iceman and Beast are trying to ice skate. They keep falling all over the place and making jokes at each other's expense while uh, Angel and Jean keep couple skatings. Beast apparently has got it, uh, but Iceman once again slips and falls on his back. Kelvin, who apparently brought out his skates but never skated, says he's going to go back and run some tests with the professor, but the rest of the team decides they're going to go take some time practicing in the danger room. And this is another sexy shot of Jean Grey walking away. There's a lot of sexy pictures of Jean Grey uh, drawn in this issue. <laughs> so Iceman is going to stay behind and keep practicing ice skating. Although once everybody leaves, he takes off his clothes and ices up and ice skates that way. In typical Iceman form, he's, uh, he's uh, oh, too bad nobody can see me doing this. But I mean, this is essentially nothing that he doesn't do when he is fighting bad guys. So it's... Yes, but the difference is he's on ice now. <laughs> he's not making the ice. He's on already formed ice. Perhaps maybe to Iceman, like, this is, like, the most rare and most pure ice there is. And, like, the stuff that he makes, is it's pretty good. This is, like, mmm. <laughs> yeah. This is, this is the ice. I'm surprised he just didn't ice up his feet and then skate that way. Yeah, well, he's not very smart. He's, like, the, he's the youngest one of the group. Like even even ice the ice skates just so that they weren't on blades they were on little blocks of ice. He's the youngest one. He's not that smart. All right. <laughs> Normally Beast gives him the good ideas, but Beast was having too much fun making making fun of him. Yeah. So little does Iceman realize, but there is somebody actually watching him. But he's not very impressed with the ice skating. He's more impressed with the ability that this guy has to ice himself up. And believes that this could be a second adaptoid. Now, keep in mind, he thinks here that he Iceman has the ability to cover his body with a shell of ice. Mm-hmm. That would lead you to believe that the super adaptoid knows what ice is, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Why? Well, uh, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> just setting a little footnote. Everybody just remember yep. that and we'll move on. <laughs> Put that in the parking lot, if you will. Take a note. Okay, so uh, he comes out and sure enough, uh, he's he's about 10 feet tall and uh, Iceman's strutting around wondering if he can sign up for the Winter Olympics, which, of course, I mean, come on. Skating backwards. That would clearly be cheating, right? Yes. Even in the Marvel Universe, they don't let mutants into the Olympics. No, they don't like mutants in the Marvel Universe. So anyways. So the super adaptoid falls through the ice, to which he comments, This strange glassy material would not support my weight. Suddenly he's forgotten what ice is. <laughs> I'm falling through. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I see what you're saying. So in other words, his, his earlier dialogue should have read something like, He has the ability to cover himself with a shell of transparent material. Yeah. Something like that. Okay. Point made. Iceman comments about how he's being attacked by some 10-feet-tall robot, 
and uh, immediately ices him up. To his surprise, and to our surprise, it appears to be working. So even even Iceman realizes that icing up somebody never works. But he does it anyway, because that's what he does. That's what he has. <laughs> I guess if, yeah, whatever you got, you got to do it. So, but even he's amazed, like, wow, it worked. I, I had no idea. I thought he would have just flexed his muscles and burst through. I would have thought that guy, that a guy that size could just bust out that shell by flexing his muscles. Golly. Uh, the super adaptoid is just evaluating his skills and hoping that he'll bring back others. So Iceman covers him. In addition to ice, he covers him in snow. For what reason? I, I don't know. Yeah, you'd think the ice would be enough, but... Snow certainly isn't going to help. <laughs> Maybe more ice would help. Yeah. So he makes an ice slide to head back to the school to tell tell the guys. After which the super adaptoid busts out of the ice. And uh, here we have an interesting thing. He's, he notices that the... The ice slide that Iceman has created has started started falling apart after he's gone. So all those all those times you were asking, how is it supported? Well, apparently it isn't, and it crashes. So anytime he's ice sliding around New York City, he's just leaving huge chunks of ice all over the place. Yeah, and they're all falling on people. Ah, look out for the giant blocks of ice. <laughs> so the insurance companies are just rolling. All the rates in the insurance uh, industry have gone up. Everybody's got flood insurance in Manhattan. Why do we need flood insurance? Well, there's this crazy mutant who makes ice slides all over the place, and you never know. It might come over your house. There's a clause that said that says uh, no acts of Iceman shall be covered <laughs> by this. Why did I get this flood insurance? Iceman, he, he comes into the mansion and he's like, come on, everybody, I just saw, and this is the part that I don't really understand. He comes in and says there's a giant 10-foot robot in the backyard. This is why I also think that they're in the backyard, because, I mean, a few minutes later, Iceman would be able to go faster than everybody else, but this means that Angel, Gene, and Beast all walked, and Scott, all walked back from the pond to the mansion, so it can't be that far away. Well, Scott's not back yet. That's true. Anyhow, uh, they don't believe him. <laughs> and this is where, I, like, they fought sentinels, they fought aliens, they fought other evil mutants. And so for him to come and say, there's a big 10-foot robot in the backyard, really isn't that outlandish. That's just totally unbelievable. <laughs> what? This is like the 10th time he's done this. And every other time, there was no 10-foot robot. <laughs> oh, Iceman, you kidder. He's like the... Uh... The Iceman that cried robot. That's right. It's, what have we told you? The first two times, shame on us. This time, shame on you. Or vice versa. Anyhow, uh, they say, well, Scott would have noticed that on his way back. And then who should show up? Scott, but th- this is what I don't understand. There's a little, little confusion of location in, f- uh, in terms of everybody was at the pond. Scott went to go shoot rocks. And then he went back to the mansion. Yet these people came back from the pond and beat Scott there. I don't understand the timing element here. Well, he didn't necessarily walk straight back, did he? Yeah, he, he he may not have walked farther away from the mansion. He may have kept himself the same distance away from the mansion and walked in kind of like a a circle. But why is he re- arriving back to the mansion after everybody? Uh, because maybe it was just a little bit farther away. <laughs> okay. Anyway, what's stupid is that they're saying that Ice, uh, Cyclops would have noticed on his way back, which leads you to believe there's only one path. <laughs> right. There's only one way he could have go- possibly gone, and that had to have been by the pond. 
And Cyclops does say, yeah, you know what? I did see something by the pond. It was your clothes. Uh, uh, uh. There's no robot. How did Cyclops not see the robot? I don't know. He's blind. All that uh, eye shooting kind of maybe creates a blind spot in his vision temporarily. Everybody else says, why don't we discuss it later? Right now, let's do some practicing. Shall we? Yes, we shall. And that's when uh, Cyclops says, let me put my suit on because he's just going to go. He's just going to go practice with the other X-Men in the danger room. Uh, Iceman, he basically says, well, maybe, yeah, maybe I did just daydream it. So now he's self-doubting himself. Yeah, that's terrible what they're doing to this <laughs> I know. Thing. I mean, if you see a giant 10-foot robot in the backyard, that's unforgettable. You don't pretend, you don't all of a sudden think, I wonder if I daydreamed that. That's like serious head drama. You've got to stick to your guns when you come out with a story like that, even if it's not real. Because either <laughs> way, people are going to think you're kooky. At least if you stick to your story and there happens to be a giant robot back there, then you're not crazy. All right, so they head. Uh, they don't actually go out to the danger room. They go out to the backyard uh, where, I guess, Calvin beat them all back to the mansion because he's transformed into super X-Men amalgamation and put on his dumb M costume and is flying around. What happened to the snow? <laughs> That's going to become more prevalent, I think, in a little bit. But, yeah, now it looks like it's spring. <laughs> Actually, I think it is in this panel here where it starts. I mean, because everything's lush and green. There's green bushes by the side of the mansion. The grass is green. Uh, the professor is wearing he's just a suit. He doesn't have a hat on. He's bald. I mean, so, I don't know. Temporal weather storm is in the area. <laughs> oh, look at those guys down there. They look like they could use some warm weather. One day, maybe I'll join them. Heat wave. <laughs> Who? <laughs> I don't know. Some somebody. I saw. I saw her in a movie. Mimic is showing off, and uh, the X Men are ribbing him, as they might say in the '60s. And Mimic doesn't like it very much. The professor asks him to do execute to execute maneuver two C. Finally, we got a maneuver back. It has <laughs> been so many issues since we've executed some sort of a maneuver. And uh, like all the other maneuvers, it's clearly to Kelvin. Uh, oh. Like Beast is all the B maneuvers. Gotcha. Cyclops must be the S maneuvers for Scott Summers. Sure. I'm, I'll, I'll, hey, until until something else comes along, I'm, I'll go with that. We don't get to know what two, maneuver 2C is, however, because Mimic basically stops what he's doing. And it's kind of disgruntled that the X-Men are watching him. And Well, maybe that's the maneuver. <laughs> Maneuver 2C is him just turning into a jerk. <laughs> so, yeah, he says, that's all the show you get today. You got to stop watching me. Cyclops is like, oh, you've gone too far. Let me take him down a peg, sir. No, we gain nothing by fighting amongst ourselves. But then what happens? They start fighting amongst themselves, and the professor's like, well, I must not really intervene. They need to learn how to settle things for themselves. <laughs> Mimic throws a uses Iceman's power to throw a snowball into Ice, uh, Cyclops's face which is pretty cool you know if i was there i'd be laughing at cyclops right now <laughs> cyclops previously who was about to battle mimic he realizes that he can't use his optic blasts anyway from earlier he's he's you know he leveled a mountain so he's a little worried that he might hurt somebody and so he's going to be the bigger man in this uh this story here I can't use my optic blast for personal beefs. 
They're far too dangerous. <laughs> yeah. I changed my mind, Mimic. You're not worth fighting. <laughs> ah, yes, the coward's line. Yeah, I'm not. You're not. I'm not going to fight you. You're not. You're not worth it. <laughs> uh, yeah, but that's okay because Iceman says, "Don't worry. Um, I'll fight him." And so does Angel. And so does Beast. Marvel Girl stands by and ha- raises a hand to her mouth. She doesn't quite say anything, and she doesn't do any fighting either. Not really. So the Beast lunges after uh, Mimic. Mimic jumps in the air and makes fun of the Beast because, look, I can dodge you because I have the same powers you do. When Angel uses a little bit of teamwork and swoops down and grabs the Mimic's uh, wings and says, that was part of the plan. At which point the uh, Iceman throws an ice club to him, but then gives us a very wordy thought balloon about how it's just hollow and mostly for show. Yeah. I don't quite understand. Like, I thought this was a fight. I don't know. It'll splinter into a zillion pieces when it hits Kelvin. It sounds pretty dangerous, but I guess those zillion pieces are soft and cuddly. (laughs) It's really going to smart when it hits him. (laughs) Ooh, that smarts, all those little pieces. Well, actually, uh, Mimic uses Marvel Girl's powers of telekinesis to redirect the hollow ice club up to Angel, Angel is able to dodge it, and nobody's hurt. But Cyclops freaks. He does. He loses his. He, he loses his stuff. All right, Rankin. He's like, I can't take it anymore, and I'm going to blast you. So they blast each other, and uh, their optic beams seem to be of equal value, as neither of them are any better. And that's when the professor busts in. Galvin Scott, both of you, cease this fighting at once. We must not fight amongst each other. Ah, they better figure this out for themselves. Okay, everybody, stop. <laughs> he just can't make up his mind. He's senile. He's like, wait, what's going on? Wait, oh, stop fighting. <laughs> yeah, he, he fell asleep for a minute. <laughs> oh! Then he woke up, and they were fighting, and he was like, what? <laughs> I'm too tired to figure this out. Let them solve it. <laughs> but what, what, what? Stop fighting, you boys, you rabble-rousers. Uh, I'm cold. Is it drafty out here? So at this point, the professor has been saying all along that Calvin is an asset to the team. He'll be important in fighting Factor 3, to which Cyclops says, Factor 3? I'd almost forgotten about that secret European group. (laughs) Perhaps with that menace facing the world, Rankin will shape up! To which the professor says, no, he's not going to shape up. I give up. Get out. I can't teach this guy. He's awful. And then he wheelchairs away. (laughs) Yep. In a very angry uh, uh, wheelchairing motion. <laughs> but it's interesting. Earlier it says, I just transferred from Metro College out here to be with you guys. And now seven panels later, I'm leaving. <laughs> he's angry. He's, he's, he's conflicted. I, I think the professor gave him too much responsibility by just out and out making him the deputy leader without any trial or experience. And, and now uh, the mimic, now he's got some real responsibility under his belt. He's caving. Uh, and that, and he's just a jerk. He is kind of a jerk. I mean, he went out to train with the professor, and the professor told him to do something, but then he saw the X-Men were watching him, so he stopped and ended up fighting them. Yeah. Jerk. He's more of a jerk than the professor, and that's saying something. <laughs> well, the professor's got an excuse. He's just senile. Mimic, he's, I don't know, yeah. he's just a jerk. But uh, Cyclops, at this point, he's like, well, I, spend, I spend all my time worrying about my eyes, but the professor, he's got to worry about all of us. Maybe I can help. 
And so we go down to the professor's laboratory, which is near an oddly placed oak door, which we saw last issue, oddly mentioned. And now we know a little bit more about the door. Uh, something lies behind that locked, heavy oaken door, thinks the professor. It hides from view his greatest secret and most tragic failure. Bum, bum, bum. I'd rather read that story than the story we're about to read. But I digress. So he adjourned to his chemistry set or laboratory or whatever so that he could focus most of his attention on Factor 3. Not all of his attention, but most of his attention. He goes to great lengths here to say most of his attention. He's doing something here. He's uh, looking through a telescope at some sort of slide. Not sure how that's going to help battle Factor 3, but... It looks like in his uh, right hand there, he's getting ready to play the harmonica or something. I don't know what that device is. That is a slide. I thought that was in his right hand. No, his right hand's got the harmonica. His left hand's got the slide. They're both slides. Stop it, Adam. (laughs) (laughs) So in keeping with the um, theme of changing seasons, it was winter, then it was spring, and now it's fall. And the reason that we know it's fall is because the dialogue here says, keeping with the season, Scott has an idea of easing the tensions. Okay, so the ground is green. The trees are stripped bare, and he's about to throw a football. To me, that says Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving says fall. Okay. So now it's fall. (laughs) And they're going to play an exercising game of football. (laughs) Jean Grey in the back there is very excited about this pass that Cyclops about to throw towards her. (laughs) Oh, throw it to me. Throw it to me. (laughs) So he's got apparently this football specially weighted so that it travels lopsided, and he wants her to catch it telepathic telekinetically or something and he says that this this pigskin's been specially weighted so that it travels lopsided (laughs) because that's really going to make a difference for you marvel girl (laughs) hey are you saying that just because she's a girl no i'm just saying like it's ridiculous that making the football lopsided is going to be a challenge for marvel girl well here's another thing have you ever thrown a football uh, yeah. So, I mean, if, you, if you're good at throwing a spiral, and I can get a spiral every now and again, uh, it goes pretty smooth. But if you can't throw a football, it's going to throw lopsided anyway. So <laughs> instead yeah. of specially weighting the football, couldn't you just throw it awfully and it would... Psychops can't throw it wrong. He just can't. <laughs> He's such an athlete. <laughs> I was almost the quarterback. It was up against me and Flash Thompson, but that damn Flash Thompson, he got me. See, I worked in a Spider-Man thing there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. <It's impressive>. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, so anyways, instead of Marvel Girl catching the football, a giant green hand springs out of nowhere and catches the football. To which Beast says, Holy Hannah! That's the second time. I know. Doesn't Jade Jonah Jameson say Holy Hannah a lot as well? I'm curious. So, I mean, this is definitely not the first time I've seen the exclamation Holy Hannah. And this is a challenge to our listeners. If you have any insight or history uh, or resources as to the origins of Holy Hannah, I would certainly be interested in hearing what they are. Holy Hannah. Let's get back to the show. As would I. (laughs) The super adaptoid says that he has been observing the X-Men for some time, and he is going to transmute each one of them into a replica of himself. The super adaptoid offers to demonstrate what he's going to do on Marvel Girl. Psychops gets really ticked off. Blasting. With a with a fatang noise because he shoots the shield and the shield is apparently made of a unique material that deflects his beams. 
Which I wonder if it's made of adamantium. Because I think the Captain America shield is adamantium. I don't know the origin of Captain America's shield, but I do know that later in Marvel Universe lore, they reveal that his shield is made out of adamantium. It appears to me that they have not really defined that particular metal in Marvel Comics yet. Uh, Avengers fan, again, email in and, and correct me if I'm wrong. The angel swoops in and knocks the shield out of the super adaptoid's hand, and they're using a little bit of teamwork again. No, actually, he doesn't knock the shield out of his hand because it looks like the shield's attached to him. He just knocks the shield away. Okay, he knocks it aside so that Beast can jump in and kick him in the chest. Knocks him off his feet. Yeah, knocks him back a little bit. And then he's on his knees in the next panel. Iceman, uh, he, he slides around him and, and covers him up in ice, to which Superdaptoid says, Hey man, don't you remember? It didn't work last time. What makes you think it's going to work this time? And uh, Iceman really doesn't have a, re- a response to that. He's <laughs> like, oh, I didn't think about that. They comment that they could use Calvin Rankin right about now. The Super Adaptoid starts pulling out his arrows. Um, apparently, Captain America destroyed his bow, however, so he has to hurl them. Mm-hmm. And this is emulating Hawkeye, of course. He flings the uh, an arrow that's filled with gas, and uh, the X-Men are not very good at holding their breath or getting away from the gas or whatever, but they end up passing out. It's at this point that Calvin Rankin reveals that he has been watching in the shadows behind this lush, leafy tree in the middle of winter. (laughs) He now wants to offer himself up to be a super adaptoid. The first time I became the Mimic, I had an idea about taking over the world, and now I know what a sap I was to give it up. So he wanted to take over the world, and he kind of reformed, and now he's like, hey, you know what, power, money, and fame, I could actually go for that right about now. Uh, I don't know if it says it here anywhere, but I think his idea is that if he works with a super adaptoid, he may be able to hold on to the X-Men's powers forever, or at least have the super adaptoid's powers forever. Yeah. Okay. He learns that he can't mimic the super adaptoid's powers, so they're presumably artificial. Now, that makes sense. Because the super adaptoid is an android, and the android's powers are derived from some technological, advanced, science-y thing, right? So mm-hmm. Mimic can't mimic that power because it's not organic. or artif- it's, it's, it's artificial. It's not organic. I think that's also another point to, to bear in mind as we progress. Cyclops sees kind of this deal being made between uh, Mimic and the super adaptoid, and Oh, he's so tired from the gas that he, can, he can't even raise his head up to do any sort of protest. All he can do is lay there and think about this. What a horrible mistake this is, and all humanity is going to be suffering. Gosh. <laughs> Something like that. And so the Mimic offers himself up uh, to the Super Adaptoid, and the Super Adaptoid says, I'm going to aim my Selectric rays at you and change your body cells. It's Selectric. <laughs> it reminds me uh, of an IBM Selectric typewriter, but it's spelt differently. He begins using his Selectric ray, transferring him into the Adaptoid, and suddenly a terrifically straining Cyclops finds his voice. Kelvin, you've got to stop before it's too late. 
Don't you see the Adaptoid doesn't want a second in command? He wants a robot slave. <coughs> oh, that was hard. <coughs> the cough is spelt out there on the page as well. You're right there? Yeah. Are you really giving it your all tonight? Why don't you take over? <laughs> and when you give up your humanity, that's what you'll become. A robot slave. That's the that's the part that Adam mangled with his cough. A robot slave. <laughs> uh, with the last shred of his own will, as it were, the mimic realizes that Cyclops is right. Why else would this guy share all of his power with me unless he wanted to use me for some evil plan? I don't want to be mindless. And the super adaptoid says, once, once we're done with this whole thing, uh, you can help me destroy the X-Men and kill them things to himself destroy no i wanted to rule but not to kill thus proving that calvin rankin has a conscience i want to rule the world but i don't want to destroy anybody (laughs) some some sort of conscience i think i would like to have a t-shirt that says something like that i want to rule not destroy at the last bearable possible moment mimic fights back and pushes away the super adaptoid's hand and says, no, I changed my mind. (laughs) No, I changed my mind. Basically, I want to go back to being just plain Cal Rankin. And so he starts fighting the super adaptoid using all of the X-Men's powers, starting with the beast, moving on to Cyclops, blasting him. Then the... Super Adaptoid throws some arrows at him, and he uses Marvel Girl's telekinesis to detonate one of them, but that blinds him. The Super Adaptoid throws his shield at the blinded Kelvin Rankin. And then he says, the Super Adaptoid says, What chance have you against so irresistible an object, hurled with deadly accuracy of Captain America? Who speaks like that? Um, the super adaptoid. And, Is that a trick question? <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, uh, you got one right. <laughs> and powered by the matchless strength of Goliath. This is the one and only uh, reference to Goliath here. So, Mimic can see all of a sudden. But actually, uh, Mimic, he does, he, he, like you said, he can see. He actually kind of calls out uh, the super adaptoid and says, Hey, by the way, thanks for yakking all that time. Now I was able to get my chance to see you. So at least the writer's making fun of himself a little bit. He was blinded for three panels, and and why? I don't know. <laughs> blinding, Hawkeye blinding arrows. Yeah, I know, I understand that, but what was the purpose of that? I mean, just to show off his Hawkeye blinding arrows? Well, yeah, because he was in danger, and if the super adaptoid wouldn't have spent all that time talking about how delicious it was going to be to destroy him... Uh, he might have actually had a chance to destroy the Mimic. All I'm saying is they could have used it as a better plot point. He gets blind, and he's blinded for a while, not for three panels where nothing happens. I'm pretty sure that they were just trying to stretch this book out. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so anyways, the shield returns to, say, per Super Adaptoid, just like it would return to Captain America. Mimic, using the beast's powers, dodges it. Uh, the irresistible throw of... The shield, or whatever he said earlier. So <laughs> <laughs> the mimic flies up into the air, I, and he's, I think he's got a plan here. i got to try something, if only I can lure him into the sky. 
because uh, he wants to give the X-Men some time to wake up uh, from their uh, paralysis gas. So he's, he's really kind of turned a corner here. He's really doing the commendable thing. Well, not only I don't I don't know he, he seems to be realizing that he can't beat the super adaptoid and he better he better last at least as long as it takes to get the X Men back. Yeah, it's a very selfless act of uh, of Calvin Rankin. So uh, again, a commendable commendable strides here. So he's uh, again he's formulating a, a plan that he's not he's thinking a lot of things to himself, but of course he won't think the plan because that would give it away. So I guess we're building some suspense here. The super adaptoid goes after him with his wasp wings, catches him. Catches him and says, oh, that's it. Now, you, now you're going to pay for your defiance. But they fight some more. And then he starts swinging him around, and he's going to hurl him to the earth below, in which Calvin Rankin starts thinking, only one last chance that I should have thought of before, or else the X-Men are finished. And then suddenly the super adaptoid says, Wait! In my mad haste to destroy you, mortal, I almost forgot that merely by taking a pantographic tracing of you, I can gain all the powers of the X-Men. Ha! You do not answer! For you know that once I gain those powers, I shall complete your execution. And then I shall be as strong as the Avengers and the X-Men combined, too powerful for any living being to halt. At which point it totally backfires on him. Um... I gathered that Calvin Rankin realized that because his own powers were artificial and not, uh, I don't know, real, that the super adaptoid couldn't absorb him. Where he figured this out, I have no idea. A couple of problems here with this. A, yes, it's a nutty hunch that paid off. It sure is. He's got that right. Uh, But B... (laughs) Calvin Rankin's powers were given to him by, like, a chemical explosion or something like that, right? Right. Uh, I believe the wasp's powers were given to her by Giant Man, like some pills that they take. Mm-hmm. So those are artificial. Captain America doesn't even have powers other than Super Soldier and a shield, which he was able to uh, super adaptoid into his arsenal. And Hawkeye, I don't think, has any powers other than the ability to shoot arrows and make crazy contraptions out of them, which the super adaptoid has also gained the power of having arrows. So this just doesn't really add up to me. I'm going to cop out and just say, I don't know the super adaptoid well enough. <laughs> but then, I mean, okay, just the, the whole artificial... All right, you're copping out, so I got nothing to go. I got nowhere to go with this one. <laughs> All right, it makes no sense. So let's just keep moving on here. Thank you, drink. This is, yeah, and then this is the this is the C. So we had the, the A, it was a nutty hunch, and it paid off, and B, the artificial power. C, I had used the power I had almost forgotten, the telepathic ability of Professor Xavier to plant a fateful suggestion in the adaptoid's mind who is an android. <laughs> yes, but we already know that the <laughs> professor can do things like that. Yeah, he can telepathically plant suggestions in toasters based on what we've learned about his power. You will make my toast perfectly. Cha-ching! Oh, look at this perfect toast, Professor. I know, I told it to do that. (laughs) Well, Uh, to be fair, a a toaster isn't an artificial being. What? (laughs) A toaster isn't sentient. Neither is a sentinel, or I guess super adaptoid is 
Yes, I agree with you. The professor's powers <laughs> are stretched way too far and are too uh, ridiculous. But, you know, whatever. All right. So based on all of this, uh, it turns out that Mimic and Super Adaptoid, I mean, it could have been explained just, you know, the Mimic adapts other people's powers, Super Adaptoid adapts other people's powers, and it was like a negative reaction to one another. I mean, that could that would have taken a lot less words, would have been a little bit more believable, and have been, I think, just a little bit more realistic. Yeah, but still, how would the Mimic have known that? He doesn't need to know any of that. He just needs to know, like, hey, man, I can mimic powers. He can mimic powers. I bet you when we touch or when we try to mimic each other's powers, it's not going to work. That's a, that's a reasonable conclusion to make. All right, all right. Uh, at least that's what I go with. That, it would have been written better that way. <laughs> all right. Anyhow, uh, so the super adaptoid, uh, I guess, I'm not really sure what happens here, but uh, Calvin Rankin goes hurtling towards the Earth. The super adaptoid tosses him towards okay. the Earth. The X-Men see him and notice that his wings are shrinking. Mm-hmm. Um, he's falling. That's it. Only hope. I finished off the Adaptoid 2. Uh, Angel rescues the Mimic. The Super Adaptoid is also falling to the Earth. Um, his power, his powers start disappearing. And he returns back to, I guess the form that he started at before he started mimicking people's powers. And he says, and there's no one to save me as they did the mimic, which is kind of sad. <laughs> oh, sweet irony. The people I try to destroy won't come and save me. <laughs> no, but okay. But now, once again, I, I wanted to go back to something we brought up earlier in terms of the relative distance of the pond, the backyard, and where this fight is occurring in relation to the mansion, because it doesn't seem like any of those are very far away from the mansion. Can we agree on that? Okay. Yet the super adaptoid's like, oh, I'm going to crash. Oh, but look, there's some water. You haven't seen the last of the super adaptoid, inferring to me that he has crashed into the ocean. Well, okay. Look at this panel um, of mimic falling. Yeah. You see how there's the corner of the earth there? <laughs> which wait, which panel? The first one or the second the one? The second panel on page 20. Yeah, you can see the curvature of the earth. <laughs> yeah, they went really high up. <laughs> and far away, apparently. Yeah, yeah. But but Calvin Rankin, no, they couldn't have gone that far away because the X-Men all fell over as they passed out from the gas. And, and they can see them. And they can see him. And Angel flew up to save the mimic. And, and we already know. And he even says it right there. He's like, oh, I haven't really been flying too much on account of my wing being shot. So we know he's not flying all that fast. And yet, uh, yeah, I mean, in that first panel, mimic is falling over shoreline property. But Westchester, New York, there is no shoreline property. <laughs> it's landlocked from what, I, from what I know. And so did he crash into the pond? And if he crashed into the pond, where the heck, where's he going to go? <laughs> Indicating to me that the writer of the book did not intend for him to crash into the pond. They meant uh, indicated for him to crash into the ocean, which they can't be near. Well, maybe he did crash into the pond. But, maybe it's a deep pond. I mean, and it's summer out now, so the <laughs> ice is melted. Because the season changed once again. Yeah, we should also notice that even on the shoreline, there's no ice. There's waves. <laughs> and the ground is green. 
I don't really think that these are nitpicking. I think these are glaring uh, errors. <laughs> and I think the editor of this comic book should be ashamed. All right, so... Uh, we, we go back to, uh, the, all the X-Men. They're like, oh my gosh, just think if he would have had all of the Avengers powers and all of our powers and what about the world and oh my gosh and stuff and junk. <laughs> and it's at this point that we notice that Cal Rankin no longer has the X-Men's powers. Yeah. He's just normal old Cal Rankin. Well, with some pretty awesome glasses on. <laughs> In that last panel, they're, they're sparkling. And he says, funny. It took an inhuman, emotionless thing like the Super Adapter to make me realize the true value of the emotion called friendship. What? There's nothing funny about that. <laughs> You're a shallow man. <laughs> All right, so even if the Mimic is... got go- his arm around Mimic. Yeah, they're buddies now. Yeah. So he says, even if the Mimic is gone forever, it was worth it if Cal Rankin became a man. <laughs> Lesson learned. Whew. Yeah, it's horrible. Next issue, we get to uh, lead, meet the most mind-staggeringly malicious mutant of all, the weird and wondrous Warlock. Warlock! I can't wait. I can't wait either. So that brings us to the end of another issue of the X-Men. Yep, and uh, looking at our mailbag, we got another comment on the... Uh, the web page. We did. What, what is the uh, what are the what is the web page? www.redcapproductions.com slash danger room. That's correct. That's the place to go. Hey, and while you're uh, checking out some of the existing comments that are on the web page, you're checking out old episodes. Why don't you visit the website? Because Adam has spent a lot of time cutting out some of the choice pictures uh, from the issues, uh, and uh, they're they're the they're the they're the good ones. So if you uh, sometimes want to visualize what it is we're talking about, or especially if we spend a lot of time talking about one frame, chances are that's the one that'll be on the web page. So go check those out. Go leave us a comment. Uh, I, like, I definitely like the uh, iTunes comments. We've been getting more and more of those. Uh, so thank you very much. It makes it all worth it. Uh, but I also like definitely the uh, comments on the web page. Um, ah, comments everywhere. Comments anywhere. Comments, comments, comments. <laughs> we want comments. We're very happy that we have listeners. Yeah, well, yeah. What does the comment on the webpage say? This is a this is from Jason. He says, "Hey guys, another great episode. I found you back in October, and now I anticipate each episode." Well, thank you, Jason. Yeah, thanks. I have a few comments on this issue. Number one, as to how the mimic is able to blast the vase off his head without touching his glasses. After Marvel Girl uses this very redundant strategy on yet another villain. Couldn't he simply have used his mimic of Marvel Girl's telekinesis to raise the glasses underneath the vase? Yes. Do you remember what he's talking about? <laughs> I, I know exactly what he makes. I think I was the one that made the big deal about it. Yeah, and this is genius. It's, it's the solution that we did not see. So this brings uh, to light, I think he's actually got another one here that you're going to read in a moment here. But this brings up another uh, excellent idea. As you guys are listening to uh, these issues, or perhaps even reading along, if you get ideas that you think that we're missing in terms of solutions to problems, or uh, who knows, whatever comments that could be made that we didn't make... Put them on the website. Let us know. Get, let's get a thread going as far as uh, uh, different quirky solutions, different quirky problems we come up with. What's the second thing he says? Oh, he says B. Oh, that's interesting. He had a number one and a B. Hmm. 
nitpicking this letter. Okay, B. Iceman makes the comment that he has to he had to practice to learn to make the hailstones the size of golf balls. In the mimic's original appearance, didn't you two agree that he could also mimic each person's control and abilities when he copied their powers? Is it just me trying to nitpick as well as you two do? Um, I actually did notice this, and I don't remember why. I guess while we're doing these podcasts, some of the things that we uh, have to nitpick about it that we've seen from reading the issues, sometimes they just there isn't a good time to bring them up. But I, I did notice that, actually. Uh, yeah, uh, it was my impression that the Mimic uh, had the ability to... Um, he, he He mimicked the power, and he also mimicked the potential prowess of the power if that makes any sense so if Iceman could ever develop the power to make hailstones mimic could also develop the ability to make the hailstones but he would still have to figure it out but he would have he would he would have the correct synapses and whatnot to put that all together but he wouldn't inherently know how to make hailstones or am i just getting too technical now I I don't know. I think we did agree that he would inherently have the ability to make the hailstones. Oh, okay. I don't agree to that. Okay. <laughs> well, you need to re-listen to episode XYZ. He concludes his letter by saying, once again, thanks for the show, and please keep them coming. Well, we'll keep them coming. We thank you for the letter. And I definitely, you know, uh, nitpickery as it is, if you've got more uh, fellow listeners out there, put them on there. Let us know. Let us know what you think. And as we ask questions throughout the episodes, feel free to send us the answers because while we know a little bit about the Marvel Universe, we don't know we don't know everything about the Marvel Universe. Nobody so, does. <laughs> I don't even think the creators at Marvel do anymore. <laughs> I was wondering about that. I mean, there must be like, I just imagine like strings of reality going all over the place to try to connect all of the various alternate universes and oh, yeah, iterations of and, and like times and points in times when they all diverge and stuff it's just got to be a just no wonder dc rebooted everything they're just like i can't keep track of this anymore start it over yeah let's just tell the same stories over again let's let's take a vote listeners should marvel do the same thing <laughs> I don't want to get into that debate. We're way too early in the Marvel career to even start thinking about rebooting the... Uh, oh, I know, I know. But it's just a, just a curiosity. What do you guys think? Sure. I could make that a poll question on the website. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe I'll do that. I'll vote. I'd say they should. You think they should reboot the whole thing? Yep. They should fully reboot it. You can find us on iTunes. You can find us by searching for Danger Room and this just in. You can find us by searching for X-Men. Get out of here. on the podcast button. And there we are. We're like number four. Wow. Yeah, crazy. We're in the hobbies category and I have bad news. We're not in the top 50. Oh, oh so we need more iTunes uh, reviews. Yeah, more reviews and I think more click-throughs, listens and stuff. So, folks, help us out with that. Spread the word. Tell your friends. Tell your enemies. Tell your couch. Even though the podcast is free, uh, iTunes does offer the gift option, so you could actually gift this podcast to somebody, even though it's free. Yeah, do that. <laughs> there you go. Uh, okay, well that's enough. Uh, that's enough patting ourselves in the back. So yeah, seriously, jeez, get over us. <laughs> um, anything else that you want to add to this particular issue? 
No, I had fun with this issue, and... Um... I thought this was the uh, best X-Men issue that actually did not star the X-Men. Oh, yeah, they weren't really in it that much. Huh? <laughs> nope. They passed out, and Calvin Rankin pretty much drove the entire issue. Well, they used some teamwork yeah. when they were fighting Cal Rankin. That was good. Yeah, a little bit. But once again, the X-Men didn't actually win this battle. Cal Rankin yeah. did. <laughs> Somebody else did. Sad. <laughs> Hopefully they'll beat the Warlock next issue. Oh, I hope so. All right, folks. Well, uh, and until next time, uh, this is Jeremy and Adam saying that the danger room is closed. Using his energy ray, it takes the adaptoid but a matter of seconds to outline his victim. Then, once the preliminary tracing is completed, a final burst of highly concentrated living force assures the adaptoid of a perfect duplication. No longer a featureless living non-entity, he becomes to all intents and purposes none other than Captain America, just as he had been Jarvis the butler. If uh, if I worked for Marvel, I would send you all no prizes. No, don't don't start that. <laughs> no, um, no, no. I think the secret of a no prize, though, is that it really was no prize. I don't know. I've been reading a lot of that GI Joe comic book lately. Oh, and they give out no prizes like candy crazy. man. Woo, it's like a parade <laughs> of no prizes, but it gets so bad that in the letters column, like around issue eighty six, the editors are literally like, "Do not ask for no prizes. If you ask for a no <laughs> prize, your letter will be shredded." <laughs> so anyhow yeah, i remember that 